money, people will steal from their mother. For the love of money, people will rob their own brother. For the love of money, people can't even walk the street because they never know who in the world they're going to beat. For that lean, mean, mean, green, almighty dollar money. Money has become synonymous with greed. Has it not? And, uh, I, I, you know, when I think of greed, I always picture this. Scrooge McDuck, right? And such as a kid, right? I always dreamed of, like, jumping into all those coins and, like, being able to swim in those coins. I thought, I, I th I thought about, like, how fun that would be. As you get older, you realize how painful that would be. Uh, but to have all that money, we've come to think of greed as, you know, the fat cats with the luxury homes and the cars and I don't know if anyone falls in the category. If you've got a yacht, you haven't invited me over yet, please do. I'd love to go for a ride on your yacht. But I think because of our view of greed, we end up discounting ourselves. Like, well, you know, I don't drive a Maserati, so, you know, I'm not greedy. You know, I don't got $10 billion in the bank, so, you know, I'm not greedy. But greed is a, men a mentality. You can be greedy and rich, and you can be greedy and poor. In fact, greed is tied just as much to luxury as it is to frugality. See, greed is directly connected to what we hold on to versus what we are willing to be generous with. So last week, we talked about gluttony. We talked about gluttony and our consumption of things. How we consume to the detriment of others and we can have no margin in our life to give to other people or let other people have something. It's kind of like toilet paper. All right? When the pandemic starts, gluttony. You go to the store and you buy all the toilet paper and no one else can buy. That's gluttony. You consume so no one else can have. Where greed is more about not being willing to part with what you have. So where it connects is that you've now bought all the toilet paper through gluttony. Your neighbor has no toilet paper and you say, well, I can't spare a square. So that's how they're connected. But they are not the same. Gluttony has more to do with entitlement. Where greed has more to do with a scarcity mentality. You know, is, is, uh, say, is Bill Gates greedy because he made all this money? Maybe not, but maybe he's greedy if he holds on to all the money. Right? It has more to do with what we hold on to than it is with what we collect. And, and that's the difference between the whole greed and gluttony. So today we are focusing on greed. And for that, we're going to look in the scriptures at a leadership book of Timothy. And um, 
So this is written by Paul, and he references money in this. So when you hear the word money, think holistically. Think greed rather than dollar bills, okay? Here's what he says, 1 Timothy chapter 6. All right. For we brought nothing into the world, and we could take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap, and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. So the Apostle Paul tells us, what you came into the world in is what you are going to leave the world with. And uh, do you know what you came into the world with? Something similar to this. Maybe not the blanket and the hat. You probably had a little less on, maybe a little more gucky stuff. I was there for four, so I, 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 yeah. Favorite part of the birthing, when the doctor yells out, Placenta! <laughs> and you're like, what? Oh, why'd you have to say that? We can take out what we brought in. You brought nothing in, you're taking nothing out. You were slimy coming in, you're going to be slimy going out. Now, just because we can take nothing with us, that doesn't mean that we are to be irresponsible. It doesn't mean that we can just, we should just, you know, blow everything or give everything away. We can be generous to a detriment. The point is that we are not to sit on funds and resources that we will never use and that we would never need when we could be helping others. I think what we need to strive for is what John Wesley says. Gain all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. As Jesus warned, watch out! Be on your guard against all kinds of evil, or all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And as much as we know, you know, that life doesn't revolve around possessions, how much of our life revolves around possessions? So much of it. So much. You know, I do, I've done a lot of funerals in my time, and... Uh, do you know what no one ever really talks about? They never talk about like, you know, they don't get up behind the podium. They're like, you know, something about my uncle. Pick a name. Oh, all right, good. <laughs> what? Jarvis, my uncle Jarvis. <sighs> you know, he was such a good guy. He had so much money in the bank. I think that was what was really great about him. No, when you, you sit and talk with families, and when people share about 
people's lives, what they talk about is, you know, they were willing to give the shirt off their back. They were willing to help anyone. They talk about generosity in their people's lives. So we need to ask ourselves, why do we hold on? What is the insecurity? Why do we fear the lack? As uh, Jesus said, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? You know, the reason we can be secure, the reason we can know, the reason we can be generous is because we know that God is still God, that Jesus is still Savior, and that the Holy Spirit is still working. Whether we have or not doesn't change that God is still on the throne of eternity. Instead of worrying about what we have or don't have, instead of thinking that we need more of whatever it is, maybe it is toilet paper. And there are times when you do need more toilet paper. If you've ever been stuck in a bad situation. But our hoarding doesn't uh, help. Our holding on, our tight-fistedness. And I think in order to resolve this in our life, we need to hear Paul's advice. And that's to be content. To be content. The reality is we all have something that we can be grateful for. Right? You have things you can be grateful for? You do. And, and that's why I think saying grace before you eat is like such a good practice. Something that we do. Because, you know, now I, I'm known to be a fast grace sayer. But don't mistake efficiency for sincerity, for lack of sincerity. Right? You know, I, grace is a time where we can express our thankfulness that we have something. I am so grateful every time I eat. Anybody grateful for food? Yes. No one, oh, one person over there, the rest of them, they, they don't even eat. They're so ungrateful for it. All right. But, you know, it, it's a way of expressing gratitude to God and, and to the person who prepared it. Contentment, though, doesn't mean complacency. And I, I think... Often we think that. Well, if I'm content, well, then that means I'm going to be complacent. I'm not going to strive for anything. But that's the other extreme of the problem. Contentedness should actually encourage us to do our best in all things, knowing that we are secure in Christ. We can be content and do our best. I'm content to do my best at times. You know, Paul says that the striving for more, not being happy with what we do have, is a wicked trap. He says it causes us to hold on to riches. And what, what ends up happening is we have no margin in our life for love and generosity to flow through. 
because we just want to hold on tight. And when we do that, we invite disease into our life. As Gary Milley says, it tricks us into thinking about security in a way that detracts us from the pursuit of godliness. And further points out, greed distorts love into lust, leisure into laziness, hunger into gluttony, admiration into envy, and honor into pride. When we let our life fall into greed, holding on to the things we have, we forget who we are. And we believe that the goal in life is to get and to keep rather than to pursue the things of God, pursue what God wants us to do. And we, we pursue these things for our comfort and stability when our comfort and stability should be found in God. What we need to be is like the man who built his house on the rock. But so often we're like the person who builds the house on the sand. And when the storms of life comes, the sand erodes away, there's no foundation, and crumbles. We need to build our life on Christ who is always firm. He never disintegrates. He's the one who is and always will be secure. So while pride may be the root of all sin, Greed is the great miracle grow. We need to reorientate our life and build it on Christ. And I think in order to do that, we need to expose our life to God to deal with the root of our greed. What are we telling ourselves that makes us think that we need to have and hold? Why do we fear not having enough? What is the fear that tells you that you don't, you won't, unless you have? If I don't have so much here, then... And we don't live life. I don't know whether it's FOMO or it's something else. But when we, we hoard on instead of being generous, it destroys us on the inside. Paul says that it is the root of all kinds of evil. And it's not that you are evil, but there is evil in us, and it compels us to say and do evil things that sows brokenness into our lives and to other people's lives. As Circe and Henson say, we are focused so intently on our treasure that we don't see the hunter behind the nearby tree. You know, the enemy wants nothing to steal, kill, and destroy and to see your life in the ditch. And to get you to hold tightly all those things we have in our life so that when the waters of life rush in, you're too busy holding that than to swim. See, what we need is a cure, and not the band. We need a cure. And as I said, the greatest thing is having Jesus as our 
foundation. Jesus is our foundation. There's nothing that can change who Jesus is, what Jesus has done for you. And nothing, I mean, there is nothing that can change how God feels about you. It's not about what you have or what you don't have. It's not about what you give or don't give. This isn't about earning. That's, it's not, you can't be bad enough or good enough. That's just replacing one form of brokenness for another. Rather, it's about knowing who we are in God and knowing, that, knowing what Jesus has done for us. And that will give us the confidence and security that we can let go of our greed. Now, the Apostle Paul also says, as we heard, we need to be content. We need to be content by expressing gratitude. I find gratitude is the great cure for discontent. Because rather than focusing on what could be if only or what is wrong, we need to see what we do have and what actually is. I think a big key in all of it is surrender. We need to surrender our lives, our, our finances, our resources, our possessions to God. Sacrifice, or not sacrifice, surrender. Give it to God. Letting go of the entitlement, I think, is key. And letting God be our king. I think when God's our king, it's a certain cure. Because we know the king reigns on the throne. As Dave Ramsey says, when we think of ourselves as the owner, it becomes very, very difficult to open our hands enough to pass any wealth onto others. I think when we can surrender our wealth and our life, it is incredibly freeing. Right? Again, this isn't about irresponsibility. There's nothing wrong with planning. You know, I think a great story is the story of Joseph, and he's in Egypt, and they're like, oh no, there's a famine coming. How do we prepare? And he talks about, oh, let's put percentages away. Or the temple in the Old Testament. It, they had grain and things stored in the temple for if there was famine. There's nothing wrong with that. But when we have to build new silos to store more stuff that we're saving, that's when we're getting into greed. When we have close, tight-handedness when there's people who are in need, that's where the problem is. You know, Christ's call is not a call to sacrifice all comfort and security. It's about using our comfort and security to bring comfort and security. And after all, Jesus should be our comfort and our security. The one we lean on. So today, let's step out of greed and into gratitude. Let generosity in the security of Christ be your weapon against it. 
And today, be in Christ and not in stuff. Let's surrender our whole self to Jesus. All right, question and response time. If question about anything, uh, you can, uh, I'm looking online here as well. And so if you have questions on there, you can ask. Hey, that was a good sermon. Thank you. Um, question has to do with um, money. So a lot of times when we think of being generous, we think about giving money to a cause, whatever it is. Uh, what are some other ways that people can maybe fight greed by being generous that don't involve just giving money? Because to me, that seems like, for most of us in the middle class in Canada, the easy thing to do. Good. Well, the resources of our life, right? Like, uh, there's things we can be generous with our talents and time, right? So what are you good at? Can you help someone? Or maybe you're not good at, but you could still help someone, right? Uh, th there's, I, I think that's a big place of margin, right? You mow someone's lawn, shovel their driveway. Uh, you could drive someone to the store. You could help them with a project, things like that. Um, do you have a garden? You can give resources, right? Here's a tomato for you, right? You know, like, you know, I, it's harder in our society the way it's built. You know, we're not a, uh, a, a, what's the word I'm looking for? A garret. Agrarian? Yeah, I think that's it. That's all I'm looking for. We're not like an agrarian society, right? We're not built on like, here's my cow, right? You can, you can, you can milk my cow for a year and drink its milk. Uh, uh, so I think it's, it's harder, but there is lots of ways with our time and just resources, right? Either manpower or willpower. You can be like, hey, Here's my chainsaw. I don't know. Here's my mixer. Here's my, you can use my oven. Bring your dirty dishes over. You can use my dishwasher. Right? I, I don't know. But I, I think we just, yeah. I think that is an important part of it because we've gotten so used to like, okay, well, here's 10 bucks, right? And, and sometimes we end up bleeding Right, you have two groups of people, the over-generous, and they're not taking care of themselves for the future, not being responsible with finances, versus, well, this, this is all mine, right? And we, we, we want to be in the middle, but I think a way that we can be generous without doling out cash that we may not have is our time and tomatoes from your garden. Swiss chard, I'm accepting Swiss chard, not right now. That was like the one thing that really grew well in my garden today. Anyone have good Swiss chard crop this year? Yeah? No. Okay. Lots of carrots, lots of Swiss chard, lots of snow peas. And I didn't share them. That's because we have like six people in my house. Sorry. All right. Anybody else? All right. Moving on. All right. What's the point? The point, number one, you can't take it with you. All right? If you're 110 and you still have a million dollars in the bank, 
just give half of it away. Okay, you're not going to use it. Right? We, we can't take it with you. So, you know, think of the things, the margins that we have in our life. And be generous with it. Two, Jesus is our security. It's, it's not about the resources you have, the job you have, whatever it is we fill our life with that we think is going to keep us safe. It's Christ. Yes, there are practical things in this life that we need to think about, right? Let's not move to irresponsible. I think God calls us to be responsible. But those ultimately are not things that are security. It's Christ. As, as David writes, Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside still waters for his name's sake and he refreshes my soul. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For his rod and his staff are with me. He prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Anoints my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely his love and goodness will follow me all the days of my life. And I was well in the house of the Lord forever. Not once did he talk about the riches. It's Christ who is a shepherd. And three, let's be grateful and surrender. I think when we can express gratitude for what we do have and all of us have some good, even if our lives are falling into shambles, all of us have at least something. We need to focus on that something. And I think when we can be thankful to God for that something, it makes it easier for us to open up our lives to God and surrender. And let God work in us. Why do we feel we need to hold on to whatever it is that we're holding on to? Let's pray. Lord, help us to live a generous life. Help us to live in a life that reflects your cross. We talked about last week how the cross is about love and self-sacrificial love. And uh, so, Lord, help us. Help us to live that kind of life. Not to, you know, hold on in stiff-headedness, but responsibly open up our hands and help those who are in need. Lord, help us to lean on to you. That you are strength. You are the firm foundation. Not the money in the bank or the, or the resources that we've collected. But it's you. Help us to trust you you. Not to worry about the clothes on our back or the food in the fridge, but to give ourselves to you. So we thank you in your holy name. Amen. Amen.